All right, let's go to two openings, Romans 10, and then we're going to go to Habakkuk 2. Romans 10, Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk. That's a funny, uh, funny name. But we've been on a series called The Fight for Your Vision. The Fight for Your Vision. And I believe this is the part six, part six or the sixth uh, message in the series. So the fight for your vision. So we talked about a, a lot of things already. If you haven't you know, heard them before, you need to go online and catch up with us so you can hear the rest of the messages. And uh, But we'll do a little quick review and then we'll get into what today what the Lord has for us today. So Romans 10, 17, we've been on this as our text. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we talked about this a lot already and uh, we should know this well, but we said that unless, you know, faith comes when you see something. Faith comes when something is revealed to you. If you didn't see anything, then no faith came, right? And in Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So when the gospel is preached, we hear words. We hear words, but what is actually happening is that we see. And in this case, in this scripture, we see how we are made the righteousness of God in Christ, or we see that we were made right with God. Okay, that's what righteousness means. It means that you are made right, that you are right with God, that you are in right standing with him. And so when we hear the gospel according to this verse, and we're, uh, th this gospel has the power and the ability to cause you to see, I am made right with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It is revealed to us. It is uncovered now. It says it's revealed. That, that means it's been uncovered. What does that mean? The Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, I believe, that Satan, whom he is the God of this world, he, he's, he blinds the minds of those that believe not. He blinds their minds so that what? They cannot see. So that, and then what happens as a result of not seeing, they don't believe. So, and the, it goes on to say, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ appear and shine unto them. So when something is revealed to you, when something is revealed to us, what happened is really the blindfold that Satan had on your eyes is coming off. It's falling off so that you can now see, okay? See what? That you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you know, we're talking about that scripture that we just read in Romans 1.16. So you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You need to get a revelation of that. You need to, you need to realize that for yourself that I am, let's say that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. See, you may feel like, but I don't feel like I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I've made some mistakes even today. No, it's not based on your own righteousness. It's based 
on what Jesus did. And we, we receive his righteousness by faith. Who thinks that Jesus is all right with God, that he is right with God and that there is nothing between him and God that's causing anything to be uh, where he's not right with him. So we receive his righteousness and it's by faith. It's not based on any your own righteousness, not based on anything you have done. Now we want to repent. We want to uh, make sure that if we have messed up, we repent, we ask for forgiveness so that we our, our fellowship is restored and so that we're, you know, um, but once you repent, once you have confessed your sins, just believe, okay, I'm right with God now. I'm right with him. Amen? Okay. So let's go to Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk 2 now. You know, but see, just because I see that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Just because I believe it and I see it, that does not mean that you see it. Okay, so we can have this knowledge that, yeah, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You can have a general knowledge of it, but when you see it, you experience the freedom of it. You experience the peace that comes from knowing I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am right with him. I don't have to try to get right with God. I am right with God. This, is, this is, doesn't mean that we live a life to see how much we can get away with, how much we can sin. I'm not saying any of that, but you need to know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. But I can't see that for you. I cannot believe that for you. And until you see it for yourself and until you believe it for yourself, until you have faith in that area, you won't experience the joy or the peace or the freedom that I am by knowing that. Okay. See, you can't live by what someone else sees. You cannot live by what someone else sees. Habakkuk 2, 2 says this, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. Let's just stop right there real quick. You know, when the Lord shows you something, when you see something, you need to write it down. When you see something, you, you, you want to write it down. You know, what I found out, it's anytime I'm praying, anytime I'm studying the word, you want to have your notebook, you want to have your journal, whatever it is, right there next to you. So that when God speaks to you something, you're able to jot it down. When you're in a message, in a service, you want to write it down. You may think like, yes, but that was such a powerful revelation, or God spoke to me, he revealed something to me, I'm not going to forget that. That's not true. See, when we are in an environment um, where the anointed word is being preached or when you're in a time of worship and the Lord speaks to you or in a time of prayer and the Lord speaks to you, what you don't realize is that you are in the spirit at that time. Your mind is on spiritual things. The Bible says the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. Okay? The natural man doesn't receive them. They're, they're foolishness unto him, but, but it's the spirit that receives those things. And so you don't realize that you when you're in the spirit, you're seeing that very clearly. 
But as soon as you close your Bible, as soon as you go to the somewhere else, go to the kitchen, go to your car, get up from a service, your mind is not on spiritual things anymore. And you can forget something that quick. There's times where I'm like, man, he just told me this 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, please bring that back to me. And sometimes you'll get that. But we need to show honor and respect that when we are in this type of environment, that we are getting ready to hear from God. Okay? The Bible talks about that we should take, uh, uh, we should give earnest heed to the things that we've heard so that we don't let them slip. What does that mean, earnest heed? That means that we give them a, a different place and we put it above other things. How would you do that? How would you put the word of God, what's getting, what God is going to say to you above other things? Well, for one example, if you were getting ready to meet with a multi, let's just say a billionaire, you were going to meet with a billionaire, right? And he said, I'm going to meet with you for an hour. And in this one hour, I'm going to give you the keys and principles to financial success. How to become a multi-billionaire like myself. I'm going to give you these keys, but I'll meet you at such and such place at this time. It's only for one hour. If you showed up without anything to write with, without any notebook, and, and, and not something, no, no phone or anything to take any notes, what does that mean? What does that show? That you don't respect what he is getting ready to say to you. That if a billionaire was going to tell you something and you are not ready to write some things down, that shows that you don't respect that what he's going to tell you. Well, it's the same with us with God. If we respect the things of God, we are prepared. We're listening. We're ready to write things down. We're ready to, to say, God, okay, speak to me. What are you going to say through my pastor, through, through this individual, in my time of worship, in my time of prayer? And you're ready. You're prepared. That shows God respect. Why? There's sometimes the reason why some people don't hear from God is because if God told you, you would just forget it anyway. You wouldn't remember it. You're not prepared. You're not ready. So you're not getting much out of it. Do you guys see that? And so we want to show God the respect. Um, Habakkuk 2.2, 2, let's uh, continue reading that. It says, uh, we'll go, go to verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. faith. Let's say that. The just shall live by his faith. Whose faith is it? His faith. See, many Christians are trying to live by another person's faith. Many Christians are trying to live and walk by faith that they don't have. They're declaring things, they're confessing things, they're claiming things that they do not see, that they do not believe. I see this all the time on, on, on social media or through uh, text exchanges. 
People are saying, I'm claiming this. I'm confessing that. I'm declaring this. I'm, I'm declaring that, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm financially, you know, this is happening to my finances. This is happening to my body. Now, it's great to confess the word of God because when you are confessing the word of God, you are hearing the word of God and confession is a form of meditation. So I'm saying, I'm not saying that we don't want to confess the word of God, but a lot of times people are declaring things that they don't see. They're declaring and confessing things that are not real to them. And faith is not phony. Faith is not pretending. Faith does not pretend like I have all this faith when you really don't. The Bible talks about a sincere faith and a sincere love. You guys know what that means, sincere. That means it's real. That means it's genuine. So if there's sincere faith and sincere love, that means there can be some, you know, love and faith that is insincere, right? You know, you ever been around someone that, man, they seem phony. They seem like a fake. And you can tell they are. They're all lovey, dovey in front of you. You know, they're, they seem all hospitable. Hey, how you doing? And, and they're all nice. Oh, don't worry about that. And they're real kind to you and kind to everybody else. And then you get them just by themselves and they're talking about that person. They're like, what a fool. That person and blah, blah, blah. They're gossiping about them. But then they come, oh, hey, oh, I missed you. I was looking forward to see you. They're phony. That's fake love. That is putting on a facade. And it's not genuine and it's not real, right? They're pretending to be loving and kind and, and, and hospitable, but really they're just a phony. They're just, they're just a fake. And so if you don't have faith for something, and it's the same way with faith, there's insincere faith, insincere love. And if you don't have faith for something, you don't want to pretend like you do have faith for something, okay? You don't want to act like, I know the word of God, I have faith and I can believe God and do all these different things when you know you can. You don't want to, you don't want to get into pride with faith. Notice here, it says, behold his soul, verse 4, behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. Behold his soul. What is that? That's pride and embarrassment. That's pride and embarrassment. Sometimes people are putting on this pretend like, oh, yeah, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, God, by his stripes, I'm healed. And they're confessing and acting like they, they're people of faith and they got strong faith. And, and they're, they're, but really, they've never stepped out in faith. They've never done anything by faith. They're just pretending. You know, I've been in situation, I've, I've been in a room where someone is giving a testimony. Someone is giving a, a miraculous thing that God did for them. And they're giving God the glory. They're telling people how the Lord used that, you know, caused them to believe him. And he did a miraculous thing and they're giving God the glory. And then someone else later gets up and s tries to outdo their testimony well, the Lord did this for me, and I got this amount of money and that amount. And you can tell people who are spiritual can tell they're just bragging. They're just, and we don't know that was faith. We don't know how that happened for you. 
We don't know how you got that. We don't know if you lied and you, you, you know, did some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, manipulation. We don't know how it came. So faith is not phony though. Faith is not just pretending like you have faith. Faith is genuine. Okay. And you cannot walk in faith and be prideful at the same time. If you want to have genuine faith, you cannot be prideful at the same time. Are you guys believing with me? Believe with me. Um, so, because faith is only by the grace of God. Faith is by the grace of God. It is not something that you, I can believe God and I can move mountains and I can claim this and it happens and I've claimed that and that happened. No, Faith is by the grace of God. Without the grace of God, you could have no faith. Without the grace of God, you could not be saved. Without the grace of God, you couldn't deliver yourself. You couldn't heal yourself. You couldn't provide all your needs yourself. It's only by the grace of God that you can have any faith. And faith is not supposed to get into competition. Faith is not supposed to get, supposed to get into any comparison. This is not a competition. This is not if you tell me your testimony, well, oh yeah, well, let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you what God did for me and I use my faith too. No, that's, <laughs> what's, the, what's the point of doing that? What's the reason? It's pride. It's pride. And that is not faith. Faith says, man, glory to God. Now, if you hear a testimony, it's good to inspire one another. It's good to be encouraged. But, but humility, humility would say, Man, God did that for you. Wow, I'm not there yet in my faith, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to where you are, you know, in your faith. You can be honest and say, I'm not quite there yet, but I will get there. Amen. You know, humble people are just honest. They're just honest. The Bible talks about he gives grace to who? He gives grace to the humble. And he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That means if you want more ability for your faith to work, for God to increase your faith so that you are believing God do things for you and and seeing God do things for you, then you have to be honest. You have to give an honest assessment of where you are in your faith too. You know, maybe you have a friend. It's like, you know, we grew up in the video game era, right? So maybe, maybe you have a friend that you guys got the same game and you're on level eight. No, I'm sorry. He's on level eight and you're on level one. And he's like, man, level eight, yo, it's like super cool, man. Like it's all these things and weapons and all these things you can get and extra lives and whatever. He's telling you all this stuff and you're like, wow, but you're on level one and level one is kind of not as fun. It's like a little boring, but if you don't start on level one, you're never going to get to level eight, right? And there was a time that the person on level eight was on level one and on level two and on level three. So if you don't start where you are and begin on level one, you're never going to get to the next level. You have to be honest and say, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. If God did it for him, he can do it for me. If you never step out the boat, you stay in the boat, okay? So you have to be honest about where your faith is at, okay? So you may believe that God can do those things. You know, you may believe and have knowledge that God's word is true. 
You may believe God wants to prosper me. He wants to do good things for me. Uh, you, you may have a general knowledge of that. You may have a, you know, a, a faith that that is true, but that doesn't mean you've stepped out on it yet and are experiencing it yet. You guys understand what I'm saying? But we can get to that place, but you have to start and begin where you are. You start at level one, so you get to level two. Does that make sense? So Habakkuk 2, verse 4 again, it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So whose faith is it that the justified is living by? His his own faith, right? Who's the justified? We're the justified. We've been made, we've been justified and we've been made righteous, okay? We are justified in the eyes of God. And I like what one person said, it's justified, never sinned. That's the way God looks at you. What does that mean? You are not guilty, okay? Get that in your spirit. Say, I am not guilty. If you confess your sins and you've repented, you're not guilty. It's under the blood of the lamb. You've been justified, okay? You are not guilty. And it says, those that are not guilty, they live by whose faith? His, their faith, their own faith, not your mom and dad's faith, right? Not your spouse's faith, not your pastor's faith, your favorite preacher's faith. You live by your faith, his faith. Go to Luke chapter 8, please. Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to read um, while you're turning to Luke 8. I'm going to read a few places where we see this even more clear. In Matthew 9, 28, it says, and when he was coming to the house, this is about the two blind men. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said unto them, believe you that I'm able to do this? They said unto him, yeah, Lord. Then touched he their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Whose faith did he say it was? Your faith. The woman with the issue of blood, Matthew 9, 20. You can just jot these references down if you like. And behold, a woman which was deceased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Whose faith? Your faith. This is Matthew 8, 13, the centurion's servant. It says, and Jesus said unto the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so it be done unto you. And his servant was healed in that self same hour. Do you notice it was his faith? Let me just give you a couple more. Um, Matthew 9, 27 through 29 and when Jesus departed, then two blind men followed him, care, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto him, Believe you that I'm able to do this? They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Be it unto you, okay? So notice that 
in all these situations that I just read, in all these circumstances, Jesus didn't say it was according to my power. It was according to my ability. He said it, he didn't even say it was according to my faith. He didn't say my faith caused you to be whole. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people imply that. They say it in different ways now. They say it was the providence of God that you were healed. And God does, there, there is the healing mercy of God, and, and there are situations like that. But let's stick with what Jesus said, that it was their faith that caused them to be made whole, okay? He didn't say my faith or my power. He emphasized, now, of course, it is the power of God that goes into someone's body, and it is only be, because of the healing power of God that someone could be healed, but it is their faith accessing the healing power of God, okay? So I want you to notice, though, that he says it is your faith, not my faith. So we receive according to our faith, and we live by our own faith. You had Luke 8, right? Okay, Luke 8. And we'll start in verse 24. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. You know, they're, they're on, on the boat in the water in the storm. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Notice that they just saw his faith, but he's asking them, Where is your faith? It's like if you've ever been to, um, you know, somewhere that you normally go to with your family. Let's just say you go normally go to your grandma's house or to a family reunion or, or just somewhere that you are always, normally you're with your parents. You're going to visit a family, you're going to church, and you show up, and this time your mom is not with you, your dad is not with you, your sister, whatever, and you see your aunt, you see your grandma, you see your uncle, and they say, hey, where's your mom at? Where, where's your dad at? Where, where's your sister? Why are they asking you that? Because they don't see them anywhere. There is no evidence of your mom. There is no evidence of your dad. There is no evidence of your sister anywhere. And that's what Jesus is saying to them. Where is your faith? Why is he saying that? Because there's no evidence of it anywhere. He doesn't see any signs of faith. And now, by this time, there were multiple miracles that they have already witnessed of Jesus. So, at the very least, he expected them to believe God, to not be afraid, at least. Because if you see in other translations, not other translations, but in the other accounts, in the other Gospels, that, there's, that Jesus actually says, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Why are you so fearful? So he at least expected them not to be afraid, not to be fearful. And that's the picture of Jesus in the storm, sleeping on the pillow. He was not afraid. Why? Because he had his own faith. 
but did his own faith benefit the disciples before he calmed the storm? Did his own faith benefit the disciples at all before he calmed the storm? No, no, it didn't. It didn't benefit them. Him being unafraid, him being in faith, did not benefit, him being at peace did not benefit the disciples at all. So just because someone else has faith doesn't mean you're going to experience the peace and, and, the, and the, the fearlessness unless you have your own faith, okay? You cannot live by someone else's faith. You can't live by someone else's faith. We need our own faith. And you, that was a great picture of that uh, in that story there. I read a story, reading, studying along these lines, about a minister. This is a, a lady minister in another country. And this is decades ago. But she had a great ministry. And the Lord used her in the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. And she had some great outward manifestations in her meetings that took place. And she was doing a meeting, holding a meeting in a, in a mountainous area. Um, and it was like a youth conference. And so a lot of youth, thousands of youth were showing up to this conference. It was for a whole week. And during that week, it happened to rain really heavily. This is, this is actually happened. This is, uh, it rained really heavily that week and it caused the rivers to overflow. And there was a group of young people on the opposite side of the river that wanted to attend this youth conference. And as they got tore in there on the opposite side of the town from where the conference is taking place. So as they got to the river, they saw everything's overflowed. They couldn't see the bridge to get across. They didn't, there's no boats around or anything like that. And so most of the young people got discouraged. Most of the young people just said, well, I guess we can't go. You know, they were really looking forward to it, but they couldn't go. But there were three young girls that they got with themselves and they started hyping one another up. And they said, wait a minute, why can't we just walk on the water like Peter? Peter did that. And they said, and Peter's God is our God. And Peter's Jesus is our Jesus. And Peter's faith is our faith. Why can't we just walk on the water? And, and they are, they're saying, we're going to walk on the water. And they're shouting and, and other people are still around them. And they're, they're you know, talking about their faith. If, if he did it, we can do it, you know. And so they begin to walk out on the water. And as, as soon as they walked on the water, the angry floods came and their bodies were found three days later in the water. And that actually hurt a lot of the churches and a lot of Christians in that area. People lost their faith because of it. People got discouraged because of it. And the news outlets and stuff, they wrote in the paper you know, young girls put their trust in God and, and uh, didn't work, something along that lines. And, you know, they believed God and didn't happen. And a lot of Christians said, you know, what, what was happening? You know, they used their faith like they've been taught. They released their faith and exercised their faith like their pastors are teaching them. But 
What happened? How would you answer that? What happened? How would you answer what happened to them? Why did they get swept away? The Bible talks about, in the Greek, there's two words for the word word, okay? There is the word logos, and then there's the word rhema. Logos, and I know we talked about this in, in, in previous series, but the word logos has to do with the written word of God. The written word of God is a general knowledge about the word of God. Okay? It's you reading the word of God and you, you have a knowledge of it. You are learning. You are reading it. It's the logos. And then there is the rhema word of God. And the rhema word of God has to do with the word that is, it's the spoken word of God, the said word of God, okay? And so the implication is that you are reading the logos, you're reading the logos, and as you're reading the logos, the written word of God, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit illuminates and you have a rhema word for God. And you see how that applies to your life. You see how it applies to your scenario and your situation. And in the text in Romans 10, 17, where it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that word, word there is actually the rhema word of God. That is actually the spoken word of God. The word of God that you hear either in a service like this under the anointing where it comes alive to you and it deals with your situation. You walked away and say, pastor, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. That's exactly what I needed to hear from God. Or it's when you're reading the word of God and the Holy Spirit says that you're, it illuminates it to you where you see it, where you know it, where you see that applies to my situation and it comes alive to you. That is how faith comes. It is the spoken word of God that brings faith. Okay? It's not the logos. The logos can result in faith, but once it is illuminated to you, once the Holy Spirit quickens it to you, it becomes faith. So the Peter, in the story of Peter walking on the water, G, Peter gave a command, or uh, Peter required the Lord, I should say, uh, that he said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come out in the water with you. Well, what's Jesus supposed to say? Jesus said, come. So when Jesus said, come, that was a rhema word for Peter in that specific situation and that specific scenario. Do you see that? That was specific for Peter. So Peter could do that. The, the word that Jesus gave Peter was not logos. It was a rhema word. And, it, and that rhema word, it wasn't just general knowledge he gave him. It was specific to this, this situation. And so these three young girls that tried to walk on the water, they didn't have a rhema word. They had the logos. They had general knowledge of it. And you can see in what they were saying that they were trying to convince themselves and work up some faith that they really didn't have. They're saying, Peter's God is our God. Peter's Jesus is our Jesus. Peter's faith is our faith. See, they're trying to convince themselves. They might believe that that happened 
and that's true, and that God could do it for them, but that doesn't mean that he told them to do it at that moment. Or else, I mean, there could have been, they could have said, hey, Moses split the waters, we can do it too. Well, but did the Lord tell you to do that? Did the Lord tell you to walk? Did you ask the Lord what we should do? He might have said, hey, there's a boat coming in 10 minutes, wait. (laughs) You know, who knows? But you don't just try to do something until you have a rhema word for your situation and for your scenario. But you, do you see that that word was for Peter when he said, come, and he wasn't able to walk on the water? You can't live by someone else's rhema word. You can't live by someone else's faith. You, and people are trying this all the time, and people are making big mistakes. They're hearing people's testimonies about situations. They're hearing people's, you know, uh, people say, you know, I found my spouse. The Lord told me, he said, go to this place at this time and you'll find your wife. And then they come out and say, that's how you find your wife. And so people try. No, the Lord told them to do that, not you to do that. Yes, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. That doesn't mean you are supposed to go to this such a place and do that, unless the Lord told you to do that specific thing. Or people say, man, you know, I didn't have money for a down payment. The Lord said, write an offer on that house anyway. So I wrote an offer on the house, and the next day, $20,000 came in. And it was just exactly what I needed. See, you just need to take a step out by faith and get your house, okay? You can believe God for your house. You can believe that God wants you to have a house and be standing on the word. But did he tell you to do that? Did he say to write an offer on a house with no money down? Because a lot of times you're just wasting the realtor's time. Right? Did he tell you go test drive a bunch of cars and tell them that you know, hey, uh, I don't know how I'm, I'm not gonna pay for it. My dad's gonna pay for it though. I did that one time when I was young. I went and test drove a car and they said, who's gonna pay for this car? I was like, my dad, he's gonna pay for it. I was talking about my father, God. I was like, he's gonna pay for it. He's rich. He builds mansions. I forgot exactly what I said, but I heard somebody else say something along that line. So I tried to do, see, but God did not tell me to do that. Okay. So you cannot step out on someone else else's faith. You must hear from God for yourself. You must get a rhema word. Now, again, the logos, the written word, you can believe it. You believe I'm reading the story of Peter and I believe that that happened. And I have faith that if need be, and I was in a situation and the Lord said to do it, I could do that if the Lord told me to do that. But he didn't say that to me. He said that to Peter. You got to get a rainbow word for your situation. You got to get the word that illuminates you, that causes you to see, that causes you to say, wow, that applies to my situation. Go to Joshua chapter 1. You got to get this. This is vitally important because you cannot stand. You are going to face many 
challenges in your life. Okay? There's going to be many obstacles. There's going to be many challenges. And you cannot fight and stand the faith fight and fight the, the fight of faith and stand on your faith based on somebody else's revelation, based on what somebody else saw and what somebody else did. Now, somebody else, else's testimony can be an encouragement to you. It can inspire you and motivate you. But you can't say, God, you, uh, you know, you, you can't, you told him this, that you would do this for him. Okay, do it for me too. No, now if God did it for him, he can do it for you, but you have to see it. You know, it's like um, Brother H Kenneth Hagin. Uh, he was reading, actually, the story, it, it said, where Jesus said, your faith, woman, your faith has made you whole. And the Holy Spirit quickened to him, if her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. And he saw right there, that was his rhema word. I can be healed. I can be healed. That awakened him. Now, you can have a general knowledge of that, but until you see that for yourself, until you believe it, it's not, it's not real to you yet. And you're not ready to step up by faith yet. So what do you do? How do you get to the place where it's not just something that you know, but it becomes a rhema word? Well, a lot of things, uh, a lot of it has to do with us waiting on the Lord, getting quiet. You know, we live in a, a society that is so, in a culture that's so busy and that's so consumed. And the devil, that's what he wants. He wants us to be distracted. He wants to fight your vision. He wants to fight you from seeing things that you need to see to get to where you need to be. He wants to fight it so that you are distracted looking at this, you're distracted looking at that, and you don't get the word that you need so that you see what you're supposed to do for your situation. He is constantly causing distractions and constantly causing you to believe something or see something that's contrary to the word of God so that you never see. Remember when I said the Bible says that he has blinded the minds of those that do not believe. Now, that particular verse is talking about people that are, uh, don't believe in Jesus and what he's done for them. But, when you, but the principle is still true that if you don't believe something, it's because you're blinded to it. It's because you don't see it. There's blinders on. And we got to do something so that it becomes real to us so that we now see it and we now can act upon it. In Joshua 1, it says, This book of the law shall not depart, verse 8, out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, and that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Notice he says that you meditate day and night. Meditate. So you take the word of God. And if you're believing for a spouse, believing for a wife, you say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. He who finds, you just meditate on it. You're meditating on it. You're meditating on it. You're meditating on it, and the Lord could quicken to you something to do. He can, it may not happen right away. 
you may not be ready for another year or so, but you believe it and you see it. I believe this is good. He is, this is going to happen for me. Or it could be something that has to do with healing. Maybe you are believing God to heal you from sickness, from maybe you got COVID or something. Well, you cannot, just because you heard of somebody else getting healed and you believe God can heal, don't mean that you have the scripture to stand on. And just because God has, this book is full of promises and they belong to us, technically they belong to us, doesn't mean you have it yet. Do you see what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that it is yours yet. Now it's yours because Jesus provided it by grace, but doesn't mean it's yours, meaning you grabbed onto it, that you received it, that you see how to access it yet. Okay? And so what do you do? You, you meditate on the word of God. You meditate on the scriptures that deal with that situation. Whatever the situation, whatever the scenario is, you take the word of God and you meditate on it. You focus on it. You take time to wait on the Lord, to hear from God. And you, you, you take time to listen to messages that deal with your situation, that deal with what you're going through. You listen to the word of God and you meditate because you're hearing the anointed word of God. And you do that until you see, until it becomes, until it becomes alive to you. <coughs> I'm sorry. Until it becomes alive to you, you meditate on it. Do you see that? You, 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 you meditate on the word of God. And if it's, a, if it's a message you heard and it ministered to you and it gave you strength and encouragement, and you did see something in it, don't stop to say, oh man, I saw something. No, listen to it again. You'll see more. Listen to it again, and it'll become more clear. Listen to it over and over. Meditate on the word. Keep reading that word. Keep reading that word, confessing the word, confessing the word of God, meditating on it, reading it. You're putting the logos in front of your eyes, and then one, one day, you'll just see it. It'll be real to you. It'll you illuminate something. You, you don't have to wonder if you had faith. You'll know, man, I know what to do in my situation now. I know what to do. And it's not so much that the Lord is keeping um, us from trying to get faith. It just says there's so many, the enemy is trying so hard to put other thoughts and to put a, another vision and, and having us look at the problem and the situation that we have to get quiet. And we have to tune all that out because we're so focused on we're so focused on what, what's not happening, what's not going right, that we need to get away and just get quiet. That's why I say take the time, get quiet, isolate yourself if you have to, and just say, Lord, whatever you want to talk to me about, whatever you want to show me, get into his word, and he'll illuminate something to you. The, the written word of God will become the rhema word of God. And then, then when that happens then you're ready to release your faith. Then you're ready to stand. And you'll know that you know, I know what I'm supposed to do. You'll know what, it doesn't mean the enemy won't come and that he won't try to distract you again and try to get you to question, but you'll know, no, I know. I know what that means. I have faith for that. I believe that. If, you're, if you are having issues in your love walk and you're uh, uh, you're not walking in the God kind of love that you want to walk in. Meditate on love scriptures. 
meditate on it day and night. And then all of a sudden you'll see, oh man, I see it now. I see how to apply this. I see how to do this. Okay. And you'll know it when you see it. You'll know this is how to apply this to my life. And so until you are ready, and I'm I'm closing up, until you are ready until the written word, word of God, I should say, until the written word of God, the logos becomes ready, that becomes rhema, you're not ready to step out of faith. But once it does, then you really, really are able to walk by faith. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.